Nelson in looking for Garza backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Five Stripe Final. I don't even want to do the damn intro. Um, yeah, I I was writing the uh, the post game match reaction and nearly nearly wrote some very bad things when I was doing that. So yeah, I, I know how you feel. You, my uh, lead was my lead was Atlanta United um, failed to capitalize on the supporter shield race against New York Red Bulls by laying a giant piece of poop in Red Bull Arena. <laughs> That's and I decided that was unprofessional. It was unprofessional, but but merited. I think I uh, I you you called me out a little bit for it in the uh, in the group chat about uh, my my headline for this recap, and it it was intentional on my part. I don't know if you realize this, but it was intentional on my part to have it just be recap period, mm-hmm. uh, because that was that's all I really wanted to add to it. Pretty much, um, I got you. I got you. Well, that that was that was garbage. That was garbage. That, that was, was all garbage. Lane United loses two nothing to Red Bulls uh, in the biggest game of the year. Uh, never even close. Never even close in any any aspect of this game. We got our butts whooped. It's really annoying. It's really annoying. Um, it's really annoying the way it happened because it seemed so obvious the way that that was going to unfold. Yep. Um, at least like just just from a game uh, strategy perspective, from like you know expecting or knowing what to expect from Red Bulls. Um, they didn't do anything that I don't think you or I would have expected. We just went in there and tried to, I don't even know what we were doing. It was like we were trying to play like we were playing some crappy team at home or something and just pass the ball around. And yeah. they predictably turned us over in our own, in our own third of the, of the field and we're creating chance after chance. It was, it was really, really frustrating. And like I said, it was predictable. I mean, we know what we, Red Bulls did nothing new. We knew it was going to happen. <laughs> you know, there was not going to be any wrinkles thrown into this. It, it's like, it's like if if you went to play a defense in a football game against Georgia Tech and went, oh no, they're running the triple option. Who could have seen that coming? You know, like right. why in the world were we looked surprised and overwhelmed by it when you should have known it's been coming for weeks now, for weeks. And it's even more depressing to to think about that they did this without their two best players. Like yep. their two best players didn't play in the game. One in particular, one of those players, Tyler Adams, is like specifically important to this whole style of pressure that we've been talking about so far. Um, and that didn't even matter. They just still just ran us off the damn park. Yeah. Uh, Yo, something <laughs> something called Brian White started in this game for Red Bulls. Hmm. Brian White. That guy definitely got picked up in the super draft. He did. He did. They just signed him in August <laughs> to an MLS contract. So, I mean, that was oh, wow. his third appearance. And the kid was playing at friggin' Duke last year <laughs> because his name's Brian White. And if your name's Brian White, you automatically get a scholarship to Duke. That's just natural. But, I mean, he started in this game in Red Bull's one to nothing and it wasn't even close you know honestly i know that red bulls are obviously a much better team but this is like right up there with me with that houston game of like what the fuck miss 
Yeah. Like just complete and utter incompetence from us on the pitch. Um, people will say like there, there were, there were some other issues in this game. The referee was terrible uh, was. for both teams though. Like for both sides, it was just awful. Um, and people will say like, yeah, we had some one-on-one chances or whatever, but that is just not representative of what happened. I mean, I went and I tweeted this out at halftime. I knew that uh, Red Bulls had a huge advantage of ju- in just the overall f- play. Um, but if you looked at halftime, the possession percentage was actually, um, it was like f- 48 to 52 or something like that, relatively close. The overall passes um, in the attacking third for each team, Red Bulls had 81 attempts in our in our attacking third, or okay. 81 attempts in the attacking third. We had 22. We had 12 completed passes in the attacking third in the first half. 12. Just completed passes in the, in the attacking third. Like, we weren't even getting the ball into, into the attacking third. We weren't even, like, when we talk about, like, building from the back, we weren't even doing that because we didn't, we couldn't even get out of like from like a goal kick situation. We couldn't even get out like of our of our defensive third. Like we were just stuck. Uh, that was the most frustrating part for me was that we just had didn't seem to have any kind of solution for the way Red Bulls were defending from those goal kick situations. Which sounds it sounds so absurd to say out loud because it sounds like something so elementary. You know, like it sounds like you can't get you can't take a goal kick. Like you can't get out of a goal kick situation. That should be something right. that. And, and and the thing is, it's one thing if you're caught off guard by a team who does this in these situations and you're just totally not expecting this kind of high pressure and you don't know how to deal with it. We have seen this time and time again from them. Like it's not it's it's this is not out of character for Red Bulls. It may have been a little bit more aggressive than what they've been doing lately with Chris Armas, um, who hasn't typically pressed like quite this aggressively. But I think that the strategy of this kind of pressing just works so well against us and other good teams. Um, I'm sure that, you know, it, it would work well against a team like sporting Kansas city, any team that will want to play it short out of the back and try to build up slowly. And um, yeah. yeah, that's why New York is so good against us. Because yeah, we, we don't, we don't just... seem to have a plan B. Like we just, we just play right into it. Many questionable choices today. Many, 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 and you know we we generally are our Tata defenders on this show, but pretty much everything was frustrating from from the setup, from the style of play to the subs coming in that were silly. Oh you my know, gosh, I at, totally forgot about but, that. <laughs> was was that a white um, flag? Like what 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 was that with Vasquez coming on? I think Brandon Vasquez is our is our white flag at this point. Like, just don't want to don't want to push anything. Taking Joseph off, you know, like that was that was a surrender move. If there ever was one, um, I, dude, I don't. You could argue that they were trying to save Joseph for the next couple games or whatever. But was fifteen minutes really going to make that much of a difference? Probably not. Right. It's just a surrender point at that point. Um, Dude, I I got nothing. It, we just got wit. Just got wit. And there's no indication that it's not going to happen again if we see this team in the playoffs. Yeah, I and mean, that, that's that's what worries me is like we've seen them now how many times? We saw them uh what? Twice last year, then one or yeah, twice last year. And I guess this is like the fourth time we've played them and yeah. just don't seem to do anything different. Um 
in any of these games. I mean, the first game is kind of hard to take anything from. It was the first game in club history, but um, in both the games, this and that year, was the one that actually came closest to winning, really. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, they looked way better in that game than the one they actually drew up in uh in Harrison last time. Yeah, you know, I mean in both in, in both the games this year, it's been it's been really bad. It's been really bad. Um, they own us. They do, they do, and I I don't like. I would have extremely little confidence playing them in in the playoffs. Yeah, like I yeah. if we played them in the playoffs. A draw, if we drew at home, that would not be good enough. Like, we would be definitely on the way out. Yeah. And it may happen. It may happen. Fortunately, hopefully, we won't see them till the uh, the conference finals, which is good. But who knows if we're even going to make it past the semifinals at this point. So, you know, that's always a crapshoot. The, so the thing about Red Bulls is, like, I, I think that they're kind of more comfortable without the ball. Like, they want you to be having to be playing with the ball. And then where they create all their chances and opportunities is, you know, dispossessing you in a very bad position. Um, and then just immediately turning that into a, it's almost not even like a counterattack. Cause usually like they're turning you over in a place where they're in the attacking third, <laughs> you know, like they're, right. they're, they're dispossessing you in defense and, well, um, it's and they're immediately in on goal. It took dead gum seven minutes to even get the ball past midfield today. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it was barely a touch that we had for like two seconds, and then Red Bulls took the ball back again. You know, mm-hmm. I mean the the line of of I don't know contact, the line of pressing, line of confrontation, confrontation. Thank you. Um, is it, just so high and just so brutal. I mean, even if they got into the other half of the field, I mean, people getting double teamed, just swarming. It was constant. And then even when they pulled off a little bit towards the end, there we couldn't create enough to get it done so, so what i what i was kind of begging for in the game was for us to play longer um especially out of the back those goal kick situations i was talking about just take the whole like you know one way you can kind of disrupt what rebels is trying to do is by taking your three center backs instead of bringing them close to braguzan and having braguzan you know pass it to one of them on the ground just push them up the field, push them 30 yards up the field, move the offside line up so that the Red Bulls has to move away from you and just boot the ball in there, boot, boot the ball in the mixer, try to win some second balls. And that way, even if you don't win the ball, even, even if Red Bulls win off those long goal kicks, they're not going to be in a position where they can just attack you right away. They're going to have to build up from a much deeper position. And and especially when they don't have a guy like Bradley Wright Phillips, who does a lot of creation, even though he's a big goal scorer, he does kind of drop in and link play a lot. Um, and without a guy like Tyler Adams, with those without those two players, make basically force Kaku to do all the creative work and to like really drive the team forward and make them score goals the hard way. That's what just drove me crazy about this game was that we just allowed them to have opportunity, great attacking opportunities um, because of our own incompetence. And that's what it boils down to. We were outclassed in everything, everything. But I had the same credit to Red Bulls, by the way. They were they played great. Yeah. Um, yeah, and major hat off to Chris Armas, even though there was the whole handshake gate thing at the end, which <laughs> um, was exciting. But um, explain that real quick. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> at, at, when the full whistle blew. Um, Tata decided he needed to give Chris Armas a little talking to, you know, like like a, a a child who had misbehaved. Um, gave him a little, you know, talking to. Chris Armas had his hand out for a handshake, 
and had a really dumb look on his face, like wondering why Tata was not giving the handshake back and then just patting him on the shoulder, moved along without shaking his hand and then made sure to shake the hand of every single other rebel staffer. So apparently what happened was that at the end of the game, Chris Armis was trying to get the fans like all 50% of the, you know, available attendance that are, you know, available seating that was in attendance, um, getting them to actually clap and make some noise for the team. So he was like gesturing to the fans. He was like waving up to them and stuff. And then Jason Longshore tweeted at me after the game saying that he started making those, those gestures, those hand waving gestures that he was making to the fans. He said, apparently Armis was like looking, started looking right at the Atlanta bench and was doing that for some reason. So um, apparently that's the way Tata took it and he didn't like it. So yeah, no handshake for Chris Armis. Wonderful. Wonderful, Which wonderful. You really have to be, do something pretty bad to uh, not get a get a handshake from uh, from Tata. He's such a nice yeah, fellow. Like beat the other team to nothing and the complete obliteration of everything they try to do. That that that'll do it. That'll do enough, I think. Uh, not a great look, honestly. Yeah. Um. So all around, just kind of a a, a shit day. And it's just a wonderful way to go into uh, Tata collapse, which uh, happens tomorrow. Right. God, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> oh man, I that may not be. A, a you know, you wanted him to kind of to go in there in a little bit better mood uh, than coming off of a, a two nothing shellacking, but you know. All right, negotiations are going to be weird tomorrow, y'all. Um, <laughs> I, that's not a definite deadline, though. From what yeah. I understand, is that correct? Yeah. Uh-oh. So when we were at, tra- I was at training this week, and. Uh, it had always been kind of like referred to by Tata as like a contractually uh, agreed date. Um, he told the Colombian radio station, October 1st is a date I will decide whether to extend. Um, so everything we had, you know, heard was that that was kind of like a definitive time. Um, and then, yeah, he mentioned uh, when we talked to him Friday, I think it was that, um, yeah, he said he was like, "Oh yeah, no, it's it's just like a soft deadline, basically." I'm that's my terminology, but he said that since the the club has been in com- constant communication, um, that he doesn't mind extending past that date. So, right, yeah, apparently it's a soft deadline. Okay, well, here you go, something else to keep out. But they'll still be meeting tomorrow. Yeah, some meetings and whatnot. Uh, but maybe that meeting will involve telling them, "Hey, Red Bulls are going to press." Tata's <laughs> going to be like, "What?" Darren, Darren will tell him. Yeah. Who knew? Who knew? Well, you guys had questions about this one and a few thoughts as well as we try to reckon with whatever the heck we just watched about two hours ago. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on to uh, some of our questions. This first one comes from Zach Lane. He says, so we're blaming Joe for doing all that pesky journalism, right? Joe Patrick, how is this your fault? Um... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I I suppose it is. I'm definitely triggering somebody. Um mm-hmm. I think I'm triggering many people actually within the Lenny United organization. But um yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, it's probably my fault. All that it's blasted probably. reporting and doing your job on the Tata contract is distracting the team and that's why they were completely unprepared for <laughs> a team that's been playing the same way for I don't know like 5 years now. Yeah, awesome. I did. We had a Dirty South Soccer comment this week that was like, "If it if this becomes a distraction, it's because you all are making it one." <laughs> <laughs> cool, great, awesome. Love this fan base. Uh, this next one comes from Sean O'Leary. He says, "So, like, 
why do Red Bulls always look so much better than us? And we kind of touched on that uh, with with the pressing and everything like that. That just kind of disrupts everything we try to do, I think, especially in the midfield. Uh, Joe, anything else to really add to why they kick our ass every time? Um, no, no. I, I, well, I think part of it is just that, like, we're so stubborn and that we won't change the way that, like, I think we could theoretically play much more effectively against them. It might be uglier, but I think it might be more effective by playing longer, like I said. Right. But um, I think part of the reason that they always look so much better than us is because we re- we never change our game plan. And we've already talked about kind of the way that that just suits right exactly what Rebels want to do. Yeah. And that's that's it. That's it. It's the whole thing. Stop being stubborn. Stop being stubborn. Let's kind of get to the crux of this, though. This next question kind of ties into just the the context of this game and uh, what we kind of have to look forward to now. It comes from Eddie Stacy. says, yeah, does anyone else realize we just lost the shield? Because with that form, we did. Um, if we play like that, maybe the next three games, but we can still win the next three games pretty easily, I think, and hold on to the shield. We're one point up now. It's a one-point difference. Uh, three games left. For both teams, Red Bulls have the easier track, honestly, with San Jose, Philadelphia, and then our friends down in Orlando on the last game. Uh, wouldn't that be something if Orlando City was the team who ended up handing Atlanta United supporters <laughs> shield with a win on the last day? Um, but uh, we have New England, Chicago, and then a trip to Toronto on the last day, which is extremely, extremely frightening. I feel like New England, Chicago, you're going to be feeling okay. Toronto in uh in it'll be October at that point. Uh gonna be interesting. Gonna be interesting. But I I don't think we lost it entirely today at all. Uh but not great. Not great. Yeah, I mean we didn't lose it, but and, and to be honest, like yes, I th- I think if you just kind of crunch the numbers on these two uh schedules remaining that um New York probably has a has a bit of a easier one, but l- let's be honest. I mean both these teams should if they play their best should win all of these games you know um we have new england toronto chicago left those are the you know aside those are the three worst teams in the east aside from orlando uh, they're, they're the only ones below those teams and then it's chicago toronto new england so um and two of our games are at home i'm, I'm not sure what it is for uh, red bulls i think they might have two away games instead of a, instead of two home games like we do so um but regardless i mean we should both these teams should win and yeah, it's not support shield's not over. It's not like we're down. Like we're still winning the supporter shield race. If we we're still in control of our own destiny, with a little doing a little air quote. So, um, yeah, if we win our games like we should, then we'll get supporter shield. But if um, Rob Ushery was listening to this for whatever reason, he just turned it off. Why? With the, uh, with the uh, control of the own destiny. Oh yeah, yeah. I think he's done. I think he's done. Uh, but well, Mike Connie from 92.9 has been determining whether Atlanta's controlled its own destiny since like week seven. <laughs> and they have, and they have, yeah. and so far yeah. it's gone fine. It's gone fine. Uh, three games to go though. We'll just have to see. We'll just have to see. Uh, God, I would just love if Orlando does pull something off on the last day and is the reason we win the supporter <laughs> shield. I think that's my dream scenario. Honestly, I'd rather not win out and have that happen than win out and make it and, easy. 
Imagine being an Orlando fan and that oh happening. Like, how would you feel? They finally win a game after <laughs> what, 400 years or whatever it's been. And it's to help Atlanta United. Helps your biggest oh. rival. God, so That would be incredible just to watch. So good. We'll pray for that. We'll that would be pre- premium Twitter right there. Yeah. Uh, some good news on the uh, Atlanta United front as far as the next few games go. What? Good news. Uh, good news. Yeah. Uh, this this comment or question, I guess, comes from Marshall Voigt, who says, and I'll try to read this as I'm sure he was writing it. He says, oh, no, McCann will be suspended for the next game. <laughs> what are we going to do? Uh, win, probably. Are we are we going to get into the subtweeting? No, let's not. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not. Let's just say there was some uh, interesting subtweeting going on between the uh, Atlanta United community and um, players, the people close to the players. We'll say, <laughs> people we'll say close, that. Yeah, yes. Um, um, but yeah, that should be exciting. We'll get Bello in there, uh, hopefully. Um, yeah, maybe Garza might even make the bench for a game like that. Um, I'm yeah, sure. Already traveled. Uh, yeah. So that's yeah. Yeah, so apparently he did travel to this game. Um, probably just another one of those things to get him back in the flow, get him in the rhythm, get him going through pregame rituals, those kinds of things. So, yeah, maybe we'll see him on the bench for that game. Um, but either way, it'll be exciting. I mean, I, I would I would fully expect to see George Bellow start that game. So, um, yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be for fun. All his, for everything everyone was saying about him not having the legs, him for 65 minutes... And then a sub coming on is probably still better than what McCann brings for 90 minutes. Yeah. Like keeping my own personal opinions about <laughs> Chris McCann's play <laughs> uh, out of this. Uh, I think Bellows just for 65 is a better option. Yeah, I, I do too. I really do too. And, and I, but I'm glad you mentioned the sub because I think that that's one thing when you start Bellow, like that's kind of the downside is that, you're probably going to have to sub him during the game um, and like put on another left back, which basically brings you down to two subs. Shouldn't be a big deal for us anyway, since we typically don't even make that well, many subs. We're just going like to bring on fucking Brandon Vasquez anyway. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we only made two subs a day and one of them was that va- one of them was a white flag. So um shouldn't be that big of a deal, but it is something to take into account. But I mean, I don't have a problem talking subjectively about Chris McCann's play. I, I think that, you know, he's just not like, good at te- soccer te- technically not not good and you know he can't move like when the ball goes to him it doesn't move quickly back uh, away from him because <laughs> there's so many touches <laughs> um you know take just takes him several touches to kind of control the ball and then just physically speed wise you know he's just when you're playing in a, le- in a wing back position in a back three you re- there you just you have to be athletic and be able to get up and down um up and down to kind of contribute in both ends that's the most stress in this in this formation is on those two positions because you have to basically do the job of two people. And, you know, when he gets up the pitch, you just can't get back very quick. And when he's back, he can't get forward to provide an option going forward um, very quickly either. So Bello can do those things. You know, he's just younger, more athletic guy. And I think from a technical perspective, Bello's also better. Yep. I think, you know, okay, to be fair to Chris McCann, he, he offers things Bello doesn't offer. He's bigger probably better defensively um, on set pieces. I don't even know if he's a better one-on-one defender, but he's, you know, taller, which we know is uh, pretty, 
pretty advantageous thing then. <laughs> this is what it's come to. We're arguing that Chris McCann's taller. That's, that's the that's the benefit of <laughs> the whole crux of the argument <laughs> is that Chris McCann is taller. We can we can probably prove that. I think um, God, that is so American. That, that um, was, wow, incredible. Um, yeah. Uh God. I so, yeah. I appreciate you trying to present the other side though, for sure. <laughs> that was that was as good an effort as I could make. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Well hopefully hopefully we see some improvement. Uh, so I'm looking at the standings right now and I'm seeing Atlanta United is at two point oh three points per game and New York Rebels are at two points per game. I want to say that if both these teams win out, which they very well could, that both these teams might be well, yeah, I guess just doing the math, they would both yeah. beat uh, Toronto's mm-hmm. points total record from last season. So there is very possible that you could have two teams break the record for most points in MLS history. Yeah, and uh, something we mentioned, uh, I, I mentioned in an article I wrote uh, probably a month or so ago, just kind of looking at this. The preview to uh, this game. Do what? That was the one where you kind of pre- looked at this game. As the yeah, biggest yeah, match in MLS absolutely. history, it talks about how it would be probably the biggest regular season game in MLS history, and it didn't quite work out that way because it wasn't a definite, right? Um, definite kind of title clinching kind of thing. Um, as far as a team didn't take the lead on anybody uh, because of it, um, but uh, yeah, no, it still had huge implications, and now it might be even more with them breaking a record that we all kind of looked at last year and went, "Wow, that's that's going to hang around for a while." <laughs> No, nope, yeah. lasted lasted a year. Yeah, um, but good thing we're taking away that extra DP spot to make sure these good teams don't happen again. Isn't that fun? <laughs> right, right. Whatever. MLS is dumb. Um, let's see. Uh, we've kind of addressed all the other questions. Honestly, there's everyone kind of has the same. Yeah, we don't need to repeat if people are kind of. I, I imagine a lot of people kind of had the same reactions to this game. You know, right. just a lot of general lot frustration. Of it's, so it's so yeah. obvious. I was watching the game actually with um, one of the people who joined me and my buddies was someone who was relatively new to soccer. And he kept asking questions like, hey, I heard that Carlton guy is good. Why is he not playing? And like, why why are they doing the same thing over and over again when the other team keeps running at them really quickly? And, you know, (laughs) you kind of go, these are great questions. And if he knows that, why don't they know that? Why don't they know that? Yeah, um, it's always. Why does this always happen? Whenever you have a, uh, whenever you like have a friend join you to like watch their like you know, not maybe not their first game, not their like first soccer game, but you know like one of the few games that they've like sat down to like watch a full game, and it's yeah. always just like the worst game you can ever imagine. It's never like an amazing, amazing game. For sure, for sure. San Jose Atlanta United doesn't happen when you have people trying to get into the sport. Instead, you get what we saw today. Because life is terrible and existence is pain. Mm-hmm. Hell United. Indeed. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Joe, any final thoughts on this stupid, stupid abomination of a game? I guess I think my final thought is just I, I was getting a lot of messages on Twitter during the game, kind of complaining about this player, or that player, this player is, uh, you know, not on their game or whatever. It's causing us problems. I don't think anybody had a good game and I don't think anybody had a good game because um, tactically like that's kind of like the sign, a sign of like when you're set up tactically poor is nobody is in good position to make plays happen. And I think that's what we saw. There was just it, it was it wasn't a matter of individuals. And it's kind of hard to assess. Oh, I, this reminds me of one thing I want to talk to you about because um, that kind of wraps up my point. 
Lorenowitz played right center back. That was kind of a surprise to me. I thought Escobar had that position locked down. What do you think of that? And then there was kind of another debate on a position of someone who play. Anyway, what do you think of Escobar sitting? Because I thought he would have been better for us. I feel like... He would have been better defensively, probably. And we, we've seen that with Lerowitz playing center back. You know, it's it's not really an improvement over anyone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you take him out of the midfield. Um, I appreciate Tata trying to work him into the game um, and having that kind of veteran presence there. But, I mean, if you're going for athleticism and going for a, a defender that's going to kind of counteract what Red Bulls do really well, uh, Escobar is probably the better option there. Uh, maybe the thought was Lorenzo would be better on the ball and helping us break the press. Uh, but obviously, you know, if we're going to be passing around and going around the back anyways, we're not going to break the press at all because they're just going to destroy us and guess his submission. Um, so that really probably shouldn't have been the thought, I don't think. And it was probably just another mistake on a long line of mistakes today. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's pr- it's. I kind of put you in a bad position there because it's impossible to tell, right? It's just a total hypothetical, but um, I don't know. I, I just think in in my opinion, I would rather have Escobar playing as a right center back. I think we we've seen Escobar look pretty erratic at times. And I'm, I want to say that almost every time we've seen him look poor, he's been playing as like a traditional right back and a back four. Um, instead. And I think that most of the times when we've seen him playing as a right center back in a back three, He's looked really, really good. Um, so I'd like to see him in there when we're playing in a back three. I'd like to see right, uh, Fr- Franco Escobar at right back. So, or at right center back. So that's my final thoughts, I guess. Yeah. My final thoughts. My final thoughts. Uh, nothing hurt because I couldn't feel anything. Yeah, I need to make that happen soon with some. Uh, medication mm. Mm. looking at looking at some bottles sitting up on top of my refrigerator right now that i'm gonna get into after this it's gonna be real nice i'm gonna Easy take a pain. nice sad nap <laughs> sad nap classic sad nap absolutely <clears throat> absolutely all righty uh let's see learn what span of the night uh us you for having watched that way to go you did it our quote of the night uh i who knows? Who knows? I don't know. Go look at Doug's Twitter. I don't care. They probably said some stuff about we need to be better. We know you need to be better. Do better. Um, shout out. Shout out to Matt Burner. Shout out to Jeff Tweedy. Shout out to Phoebe Bridgers. Shout out to Molly Rankin. Shout out to DeAndre Swift. And shout out to Justin Fields. Uh, shout out to not Jim Chaney. Shout out to uh, not Red Bull's Twitter because they've been annoying today. Uh, whatever. They could but, not handle the God City tweet oh my gosh i'm not man every other fan base (laughs) is like oh we're we're having fun this is fun uh but man i insulted new jersey for like two seconds and they were not feeling it uh which hmm hmm. (laughs) they all seem to think it's 1863 too like oh the it's just like aggression from the confederacy with this tweet like bruh i vote democrat (laughs) I don't know what to tell you here. It's really strange. Um, I didn't. They did not handle it well at all, though. And now they're all up in the DSS mentions after their uh, their win here today. Which, which, fair enough. I mean, I was talking some smack, but uh, some of the uh, responses have been interesting for sure. For sure. 
my 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 uh my brother once did a study abroad in India and he said that when he went over there that all the Indian people when they would ask him about America they all think it's like people just like driving around shooting guns out their out their car <laughs> windows you uh-huh. know just like doing like like you know taking jumps with their cars up you know because all they see is just like these crazy uh action movies right um, that that America makes so yeah that, that kind of reminds me of that that's the first thing I thought of um, when I've seen those responses is like <laughs> these people from from up north that have just like this like really weird perception of what the south is like it's yeah. really kind of just the same but much more humid yeah pretty I, much I, but the people are much more uh are much more laid back and and chill yeah, yeah um sure. shout That's out it. to uh who are my shout outs Jorge Thieler um shout out Darren Eels have a good have a good meeting on Monday um that's my little note in his lunchbox for for that. Uh, shout out Kevin Egan. Shout out uh, Dan Gargan. Shout out Julian Sakovitz. Shout out. I have one more shout out. Shout out uh, Damian Silvero, the video analyst. Oh, yeah, totally. Our new friend. Our new friend. Yep. Uh, shout out to making fun of New Jersey to own the libs. Bye, y'all. Bye. I want it now. I want it now, not the promises of what tomorrow brings. I need to live in dreams today. I'm tired of the song that sorrow sings, and I want more.